part four. Now, just like in previous parts, what I'd like to do is just so summarize the end of part three so we can look at what is it that, where the responses that make up part four. Now, the last thing we talked about in part three was this new look, this new look, this new, these characteristics of this new creation that we are, we see in the second Corinthians 5, 17 in Christ. We are this new, we are this new creation. And I want to focus on just, just briefly to end, to start part four on Galatians 3, verse 28. Actually, it starts at 24, but I just want to focus on 28, where it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's quite interesting that the, the, the scripture says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. To me, that 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 just, that for you are all one in Christ Jesus, recognises the separate, or should I say, the natural separations we can see in terms of Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female. But it goes on to say, in Christ you are now one. I want to go on just to say, just to briefly, to start this, not, I should say, to go into for by saying this, that the hostilities the worldly division, which create these hostilities, these things which prevent two things coming together, have now been removed by Christ Jesus. And because of that removal, the characteristics of those who are now in the household of God now have a new perspective on old things. A new perspective, which helps us to bring the old to new. A new perspective that allows us to go from old wineskins to new wineskins, able to receive the new. So, as I continue to search, one of the responses that I really I realized something that there are basically two questions that we must face in life. I'm not saying it's the only two questions. Um, but what I saw, I saw something in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19, which really spoke to me. It's a discourse between Jesus and his disciples. It happens in Caesarea Philippi, a place where ancient sanctuaries were built by Canaanites, the Greeks, the Romans. And there was also a sanctuary or a temple or altar to Pan, the deity Pan, from which the word pandemic is derived. I think. It, it says what it is. So I want us to know that in the middle of this place of darkness, where there's lots of gods being worshipped, there was a um, a habit of building these sanctuaries in this place. We, we see this discourse happening. And in this discourse, there are two questions Jesus asks his disciples. In verse 13, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? In verse 15, who do you say that I am? The actual scripture says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? 
Jesus is, is looking straight at his disciples and he's saying to his disciples, who do you say I am? Some of them had already replied that what men say is, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But I just, I believe that there is a time when we have to know who the living God Jesus is. Some Peter answered in verse 16 and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response is really important for me. I feel there's a real importance in here when he says, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. He actually says that um, Simon Barjona, Peter, he said, blessed are you. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. He goes on to talk about on this rock, he will build his church and he will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I think the keys are given to those who, we, who the father reveals Christ to. Who the father reveals son of the living God. So in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this pandemic, in this, pan, this pandemic, the father in heaven reveals Jesus. He reveals our identity. And this identity is not and cannot be revealed by flesh and blood. Flesh and blood cannot reveal who we are in Christ. It's not possible. It's not possible. I'm not saying flesh and blood cannot reveal who revealed a Christ. But flesh and blood cannot be revealed the Christ. I just want to add a footnote here, especially in this time where we've seen a lot of identity being displayed everywhere. We see the politics, not the politics, I'm not going to use that word. We're seeing how identity is shaping lives, shaping um, opinions, identity based on things I've mentioned before, colour, nationality, gender. We could say sexuality, but for the purpose of this, I don't want to go and open that door, but I want to use the word gender. Um, cultures, etc. We've seen these places being used to elevate, these places elevated and being used as places that we define, that are places of definition, or I should say places of distinction. We could go back, but you can look at some of the earlier parts where I talk about what happens in Genesis 1-4 when Jesus uses a word which both separates and makes a distinction. And it's the only place I could find where that word is used, where the definition has both um, Greek I mean Hebrew words. And those two Hebrew words mean to separate and to make a distinction. And we only see it when Jesus, when the, when the word talks about separating light from darkness. Anyway. So I wanted to say that what we see here, what, I'm, what I feel I'm sharing or, or revealing is that this does not diminish pains, injustices, cruelties, murders. Those things that have been perpetrated 
across the world in many cultures, tribes, tongues and nations. It's not a unique thing. It's happened everywhere. Continues to, and it continues to happen everywhere. We've met the, one of the purposes of this sharing was about us. Who are we? And what does that we look like? It's a cleaser of God to see how we can be. We should be. And this is just an introduction to the look and feel of this outworking of, of this new identity in the household of God as one in a fallen and dark world of hostility. I want to end this part by adding a scripture. And the scripture is a scripture that relates to believers being salt and light. And the reason why I looked at this scripture and liked this scripture, it was really an answer to what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as new creations in, a, in the household of God? And the one thing I wanted to really, I don't know, just to pull out, to be honest, is the fact that in, I can't remember the, the exact chapter or the which one of the Gospels, but in it, in chapter, I know it's verses 13 and 14, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt, if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's found it. It's Matthew 5, 13 and 14. And my thing I want to leave is this. There's two things that, that the analogy of salt and the analogy of light or the characteristics of salt and light. Salt being something which has flavour and light being something that cannot be hidden. We see how the salt, if it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, if it's not basically demonstrating its very characteristics, it's good for nothing. And light, that is like a, that is like a city that is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. And to leave, to end part four, I just want to, just to really to bring that together about this revealing of Christ, not by flesh and blood, but by our Father in heaven. We can think whatever we want to think. What is significant is what the Father in heaven reveals, and he has chosen to reveal that Jesus through his Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth. So, just a thought to leave to end part four.